0: The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. Please be advised that this episode contains discussions about difficult subject matter. You little turds are gonna to have to learn you can't run from the ice cream man. Welcome to subversive City. These films risk causing harm. They should be burned. I'd like to do any of these two guys at the same time. What? Hell yeah.
1: I don't owe you any book. No more books. Subversive Cinema.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Happy to have you here. We are uh, rocking and rolling along with Season 2 here at Subversive Cinema. I am Art, your host, your wrangler of the weird, purveyor of the peculiar, docent of the disturbing... And this movie is, uh, it, it certainly has etched itself into the annals of film history. We are talking about 2002's Irreversible by director Artur Gaspar Nui. And to talk about it, got my buddy returning once again, Mike. How are you doing, man? Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me again. Of course, of course. Uh, who else would I talk about a story that is all about revenge, nihilism, some dizzying camera work, and at least two of some of the most notorious sequences caught on film in modern history. Well, I'm so, glad you thought of me. Yes, of course. Well, <laughs> when I, when, whenever I hear about something that has a bar called the rectum, you're the first person I think of. There's <laughs> nobody else I would rather talk about that with. <laughs> so let's break it down real quick for everybody. The deal with the show, if you've listened before, or have not you know what we do? We're here to break down the subversive sauce, talk about what makes these movies so special, and to do that, we're going to talk about three things: character, story, and the WTF factor. So, let's look at this movie, Irreversible, two thousand two. Gaspar Noé. It was his second feature film, and he shot what ended up being twelve segments, largely improvised, and told the story backwards, uh, which. When As we get into the story, it's very interesting and the impact it has on the action and the violence and the consequences that occur. It's a very divisive film. People are either appalled or people are just enthralled. This goes one way or the other. I personally, I've always admired this movie, and even having seen it before, rewatching again for this episode, I could not help but feeling shook (laughs) watching Mm. it. It still happened. Even though I knew everything that was coming, there was my heart was just still racing along with it and i was feeling nauseated at certain times uh as I think now that could have just been a motion sickness thing I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> Some i did forget exactly how fucking turbulent the camera work was
1: yeah because that that is also, actually another thing to mention you you said like um yeah 12 segments they're all like um uh, largely uh improvised told in reverse order but each segments they make look like it's a single single shot you know I mean I, I, I uh, it, it's obvious they, they hide cuts and do CGI work and stuff like that. But each, each of the, uh, the 12 segments in the story is all one single camera move.
0: Yeah. So it, he was really, I, I don't want I, I don't know if this is overstating it or not, but I feel like he was really pioneering a lot of very interesting stuff uh, yeah. or taking techniques uh, that had been used before. It's not like, I mean, look, single shot stuff was done as far back as rope and we're talking right. about the forties, you know, so it's not like that's new hat, but, in in this taking all these different elements and putting them together was crazy so anyway the story about this movie it tells the 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 tale of two friends marcus and his girlfriend alex as well as their mutual friend i guess it's her ex-boyfriend he's kind of buddies with him through her it, it, I, see, there's so much improv and the translation is all over the place i don't mm-hmm. know if i'm really getting the whole story but i certainly know the relationships pierre used to date alex he no longer does alex dates marcus they all go out in the town of course this is told backwards so you open up with two guys talking in a very grimy room in a very nihilistic world about just shit. you know time destroys everything Mm -hmm. uh we are now seeing somebody taken out in a stretcher and they are being yelled at and there's all sorts of epithets being thrown at them because they're being taken from a gay club Inside the gay club, you see what happens. This man, Marcus, gets into a fight with this guy, and he gets his arm broken, and next thing you know, a face gets smashed in, and it just goes crazier and crazier. It's so much easier to tell the story from the front to the back, Mm -hmm. but that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is to show the result of revenge, and then show the reason why there was revenge, and then show the life before it. And what's interesting about this is the thing I take away, as I said in the beginning, it's nihilistic. It was all for nothing. Mm-hmm. It was literally all for nothing, and you see it from the beginning. You just fit. You don't really know it until you see the actual rape scene itself. That it was the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and then and then the fun cameo in the very beginning was the butcher from *I Stand Alone*, his mm-hmm. first movie, who he had a. a Huge bit of fucked up stuff. Maybe we we'll have to talk about that movie sometime down the road. But that's the story. It's it's uh, it's kinetic and it's very visceral. It's more of an experience than a traditional narrative is what I'd say. So, uh, so as far as characters, any character
1: stood out to you and why? So for me, um, and, uh, believe it or not, uh, first time I saw this movie to the rewatching it again revisiting them in it's always those, those two old guys you mentioned in the beginning, they have always been the standout characters for me simply because in that opening scene, it, it is kind of one of those movies, like you said, yeah, for the most part, it's more of an experience than, you know, uh, there, there is a narrative thread uh, through it, even though it's going in reverse and what have you. I mean, It's a simple, if you really think about the story, the story is like super simple. It's like, you know, like you said, yeah, you have these three friends, um, you know, two guys, this one girl, um, the one friend used to date and she's now currently with this other guy, go on a night in the town. Uh, The girl gets raped at one point. The boyfriend wants to go get revenge um, and him and the friend go find the guy or go try to find the guy who potentially raped her Um, and it's the, it's just the ugliness of the revenge that they get. Um, and then, so if you're really thinking about things chronologically, the opening scene, it would have been, it takes place like just a few minutes after all the events of the movie. And what really makes it great, uh, cause uh, particularly with the structure of the movie as it is, it's like. These two old guys, they kind of sum up everything you're about to see, really. Like, um, because and because again, it's like paper thin plot, but it's like it's not so much you're going to watch the movie because of the plots. Um, but still, it gives you kind of this intro. It's almost like you know, I know, uh, the director, Gasper, uh, is it Gasper, uh, Noé? Noé. yeah, Gasper Noe, uh, Gasper Noe, um you know, I know he, you know, he, he wants to push buttons or like, you know, it's, he, he wants to, you know, he is going for a certain effect, but at the same time, I almost look at that opening scene of like, I know what you're about to watch is going to be difficult. Let me ease you into it. Let me just kind of, it's a, it's like, you're going to be confused. You're going to be uncomfortable, but at the very least, I'm going to give you this opening scene. So pay attention. All you need to do is just pay attention to this opening scene and the rest of, then just go for the ride for the rest of the movie. And, and again, it's so it's just those two uh two guys, particularly also the, their performances, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I guess why they do stick out for me is um as I said, paper thin plots and it's not, it's not that any of the main characters are one dimensional. No one's one dimensional in the story, but they all kind of are their own archetypes. You know, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the friends, simple revenge story. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all you need. Whereas like, at least with um, these two guys, it's like, let's get it a little bit into the philosophy of what you're about to see. And it's a, yeah, just, it's a, you know, stunning, almost beautiful, but sad you know scene in that opening scene
0: yeah just these two dudes and sharing the you know in like a four dollar room just this breakdown of what life is and what has taken away and how you know again the line time destroys all things and life in a sense destroys all things and it's you know you see these two dudes it's like you just yeah who are they i want it's like almost uh it would be like seeing the uh, Waiting for Godot guys mm-hmm. just in a passing scene say, wait, well, what's going on with them? I kind of want to know. Right. Well, you know me. I always got to pick some smaller sidebar character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm I've, I've trying to figure out who this one is. I'm pretty sure given the casting, I think I found the right one. But I want to talk about Fist Man, the guy in the rectum who <laughs> said, come on, please fist me. Just fist mm-hmm. me. It's such a weird and turbulent scene Because, Mm -hmm. you know, Noe puts you right in Marcus's shoes with this catacomb like bar with it's dark and there's red hues and it's just dizzying because it's replicating what he's like. He's drunk. He's full of rage. He's literally seeing red and he can't navigate and he's in this strange place. And then you have this guy who's just sitting there in in a sex sling trying to fist himself and then asking to be fist. And then, you know, Marcus grabs him and starts shoveling him along saying take me to this dude and the guy just keeps you know it almost becomes this pathetic plead saying no no come on you'd rather do this trust me and it's mm-hmm. it's like the harbinger almost in a horror film you know where he's it's just using the word fisting instead of doom you know it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's so I, I think if he would have just settled back and and you know just enjoyed the show mm-hmm. with fist man then you know he wouldn't have had his arm broken and pierre wouldn't be going to prison for which I think at least in the translation I saw, they said 10 years, which was pretty surprising to me. He smashed a guy's face in with a fire extinguisher and you'd only get 10 years. That's pretty impressive. I don't know what they said yeah. in your translation, but that's what it said in mine.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was, so like, yeah, honestly, it's like, and it's so weird. It's like, because again, I, I I rewatched this just this last night and um, it really is also one of those movies. And again, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that so much of it was improvised It's one of those movies, like, every time you go back to rewatch it, you know, you do, you catch all these new things that you missed before. But, of course, it's not necessarily a movie you want to watch, like, over and over again or anything.
0: Yeah, it's, look, I love Requiem for a Dream, but I I couldn't watch that more than a couple times in a month without feeling really fucking depressed. Mm -hmm. So, same thing with this. But also, I think there's a lot of elements, which this could either, now as we could segue into the story portion, or even this might be preambling the, the WTF but there's just technically how this movie's made there's a lot of little tricks that he employs that are flat out just nauseating
1: mm-hmm. and i don't mean
0: that in a bad way it's just it's just difficult to watch at times right. it's not just because of the dizzy camera movement it's the strobe effects and mm-hmm. the use of that that hyper low frequency i think it's right. 7 hertz which uh, from what i read it doesn't really affect you on home video because most speaker systems can't actually produce mm-hmm. that effectively. But if you saw it in a theater, then yeah, yeah. you'd feel it in your balls and you'd feel nauseated. Regardless of that, there's still a tone that's being played. And especially at the end, I, I don't have epilepsy, but I felt like I was going to go into some sort of grand mal seizure okay. with the spiraling flashes from the, the sprinkler into this celestial weird light it was just really trippy for me and it gave me a headache uh, uh, you know what do you think are, are they all narrative driven or are some of them gimmicky to to for the sake of it or do you think
1: it's a mix of both for me th- i i actually specifically really wanted to do this episode uh because it's like you know th- th- this is a movie that like i've always like you know it's always stuck with me um it's, it's definitely one of those type of movies of course but um and this might bleed over more into the when we get into the uh what the fuck with uh with this type of movie but um uh you know i'll just uh, I'll, uh, I'll start start the discussion now i actually don't consider this movie quote unquote subversive mm-hmm. i re- i honestly do not um and so it's like i to to answer your question about the technicalities of it all um it's like they've never really, on one level, they've actually never really affected me in that way. But of course you're talking to someone that like, I've never really been affected by things like that. Like strobes have never really bothered me. Um, Sounds like haven't haven't necessarily bothered me. Um, I love roller coasters. I'll go on, you know, these wild dizzying rides and feel absolutely fine afterwards. And it's like this movie has that similar effect for me, where it's like I see that, like, yeah, he's he, the the camera work and the, the the sound design, it's all it's all designed to make you as uncomfortable as you possibly can be. But and you know, to to some extent, I feel that. But at the same time, it's like it's never affected me. I, I think the way you're describing, where it's just like. I don't get dizzy from it or I don't, you know, yeah, it it just doesn't affect me. And on that, on that, um, physical level, um, it's definitely affecting on an emotional level, but, um, but yeah, not on a, on a physical level, at least not. I would
0: would say to be fair though, when I was watching this, I was watching it on a fairly large screen and not from very Mm -hmm. far away. (laughs) Okay. So maybe there's a thing about image distance. I don't know. I don't know.
1: I'd be curious what it would be like to see on a big, big screen. Mm-hmm. and there is actually something to that i i've never seen this in, the, in a in a theater i've always just watched it on a television or a computer screen or you know. yeah
0: i mean typically these things i think most of the time i i'm not bothered i think the fact that this these sequences persisted as long as they did mm-hmm. that in exactly. any other film where they do twirly camera work for five to ten seconds he'll say fuck that i'm gonna do it for a minute minute and a half because mm-hmm. why not <laughs> you know so that was that was part of it i guess so story wise we've already covered it 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 is as you said paper thin it's pretty straightforward i think that along the way there are a couple little surprises just due to the narrative structure of being told in reverse it's no secret that she someone was victimized because you hear that when he's going looking for revenge you don't right. expect that you know it's a great setup to see somebody getting carted away by the police and somebody in a stretcher because then you're like, okay, shit really went down. But what went down? Then you get to see exactly the severity of what that was. And then, of course, there's the crime itself. But I think what's the most heartbreaking is the reveal that you can only benefit from in a reverse situation is when you find out, oh, she was pregnant. Yep. And how happy she was. And given the the utter level of abuse and beating that uh, Tenya gave her, that's probably not there. So that, that's something that was there now. Talking about its structure, I don't know if uh, you heard or have seen, but they did a recut in 2019 where they put it in chronological and they call it the straight cut. Interesting. I don't know. I'm guessing you haven't heard of that. Uh, So it tells it as, you know, it's in the right order and Mm -hmm. it just goes that way. So it becomes a totally different movie, you know, Mm -hmm. where this is, I guess, an exploration of effect and cause that becomes then your traditional revenge story. Right. So it's a very, very different feeling. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it, because it... it. Oh, have you seen it? Uh-huh. Yeah, and it just... I mean, yeah, again, it's the same movie, but it just feels the, the result, the end result is different, you know, because mm-hmm. then you go on the journey as it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say what's different is there's almost a feeling of, in the beginning, of, you know, being, like, being birthed into this bright world that just descends in the darkness, <laughs> you know, while in the version that is was in theater as the original version it's the as i think was a build originally it's a journey from hell to paradise Mm -hmm. so it takes you out so it's weird because it's like it ends on such a happy note but you know that's the past so there's nothing happy about it
1: right yeah that that is the odd um you know structure of this and i think that's the um effect he was potentially going for Is like technically it has a happy ending technically (laughs) you know (laughs) But but yeah, if you watch it in chronological order, then yeah, no, then it's just a, you know, straight revenge story. And it's just a descent into hell and madness.
0: Yeah. And you end with two guys in a cheap room, smoking cigarettes and talking about having sex with their kid and, and how life is terrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, Ah, fun times. Very on top. Indeed. So WTF? well, I mean, there's two obvious things. We mm-hmm. can we can either cover that first or we can save those for last. Are there any other WTF moments that stuck out to you in this movie? I mean. Other than the, the, the frank discussion of sex among friends, yeah, which yeah. is not a traditionally Western thing. Mm-hmm. Americans are very prudish. We tend mm-hmm. to not talk about, hey, I know you were dating my girlfriend, but you couldn't make her come well I can let me tell you about how we fuck oh you want to talk about how you fuck let's talk about this that's just so weird but that's because I grew up here and (laughs) it's just not a western thing but Europe is much freer so that's one example of something that's a little culturally different I suppose
1: um I mean uh there (laughs) it's not really see yeah I guess like you know um it's not necessarily a what the fuck in the like, or at least your traditional sense or the traditional sense of the show. But, um, you know, I, I always love the one moment that, you know, it's a, you know, it's very much a, um, a mistake or a blooper, but they recover, they recover. So, uh, you know, so eloquently is, you know, you got um, Vincent Cassell there, you know, he's dancing with some girls and some girls approach him and he says hi my name's vincent just kidding my name's marcus yeah (laughs) they keep going and it's like wow they actually kept that you know in the movie
0: (laughs) yeah kept that in just he's like well i know this is a hard thing to set up a long tracking shot like this let's just try to salvage it
1: yep yep yep. (laughs) so yeah i mean that that's always um i've I've always thought that oh that's a cute little moment (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um But yeah, I mean, uh, other than, other than that, yeah, there are just, yeah, the the two big moments in it, um, the two, like, you know, uh, more disturbing uh, moments that everyone talks about. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, and quite frankly, for me, it is, it is kind of fucked up that, you know, we find out at the end, even though it's technically happened in the past, is that, oh, wow, she was pregnant. And given everything we've just seen yeah like just the other like you know shock of that or the oh god <laughs> yeah
0: and I think they pile it on because you see exactly how affectionate and loving they are as a couple when right. alone while when he's out on the subway and you know with this with with Pierre and when he, and you know that's before he even gets like all off his knocker You know, and then when he's at the party, he's all fucked up. It's like he's kind of, he is, you know, as Pierre says, he's a primate. here, is He's the ape or whatever. He's not a very sympathetic guy. He's just this really raging dude. You know, it's interesting. You see that sensitivity earlier on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting what you learn in different points of view and and how the story's told. So I guess, you know, we might as well cover them. Which one would you like to talk about
1: first? (laughs) (laughs) The club scene or the underground walkway scene. Well, here let me. Um, what what I'll do is um, like like I said before. Um, so we'll just kind of get into it, and you know, let's we'll just we'll be fluid uh, about it. Um, again, like for me, the reason why I really wanted to do this episode is you know, number one, I actually love this movie. Like th- this this is one of those movies I remember um, seeing it and you know falling in love with it and um and number two it's just like i don't necessarily consider it quote unquote subversive i know that's one of the points of the show is like what is subversive and why is it you know considered that you know i think i'm here you know kind of as an ambassador of like i don't consider this movie subversive um well we'll disturbing. get to uh, the
0: definition oh. of subversion that i that i go
1: by and then we'll see if it ticks any of the boxes gotcha <laughs> But, you know, it is absolutely disturbing. um, and um, it would definitely be uh, difficult um f- from anyone who suffers from trauma. you know it, it, it could definitely be a traumatic um experience for for someone. But for me, it's really hard for me to call this subversive because, everything, all the what the fuck moments, everything ugly about this movie is absolutely 100% necessary because to not do them the way that they're done would render the entire movie pointless. There would have been no point in making this movie um, if not depicting those ugly moments exactly the way they're depicted. Um, Again, yes, I, I, I absolutely agree with anyone that will say it's disturbing and sometimes I have to look away but I'd rather have the movie depict the violence and the rape and everything um as ugly and realistic as it does rather than getting too stylistic or getting too much into like an action movie type persona it's like I always compare like one of my go-to things like I always like, you know, when, any, when, when anyone's talking about like, like, oh, that was so unnecessary or blah, 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 blah. I always, I always, um, point out, um, do you remember swordfish in the early mm-hmm. 2000s with oh, yeah. Hugh Jackman and, um, uh, Halle Berry. Yep. There's a moment in there, Hugh Jackman approaches Halle Berry next to a pool mm-hmm. and Halle Berry uh, is reading a book. She removes she, Brings the book down to reveal she's completely topless. And they go, they proceed to have this fairly long conversation, and she's just sitting there completely topless. Now, of course, I'll watch Halle Berry topless, beautiful, beautiful woman. I will definitely watch that. But that scene serves zero purpose. There's zero, absolutely zero purpose for her to be topless in that moment. You know, other than let's just show off Halle Berry's tits in this moment. So it's like, for me, I would argue, that's unnecessary. This, at least the, the story they're trying to tell, completely necessary.
0: Yeah, I would say, I, I, I agree. It's, uh, he said it best, I think, in an, uh, an interview he did back in 2002 when he came out. And he said that uh, the rape had to be disgusting to be useful. Exactly. And he also made a conscientious choice to... Play it in one shot, not moving the camera, because moving it, essentially what you were saying, it stylizes it. It makes him almost participatory in it, Mm -hmm. as opposed to showing a horrific crime. You know, look, there's people, film is such a subjective thing. Art Mm -hmm. is always a subjective thing. There, It's like, you know, it's like that old quote from whomever said it. I don't know art, but I know what I like. That sort of thing. <laughs> well, just like that, people also know what they don't like. And yes, as you said, there's there's certainly that sequence. I mean, it, it runs long. It's like nine minutes or so. And that's very disturbing and discomforting for a lot of people. And there's going to be people who don't like it. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, what? One in 12 people walked out of the premiere and con. But I do agree that it was necessary because it was showing a very, very bad thing in his honest a light as it could and in the chronology as it is it only makes the story more heartbreaking because you see that not only did the wrong guy get killed Mm -hmm. the guy who did it did it so fucking badly that it's just like there's even less justice in the world you know it really drives that home so yeah, it's, it's, you know, honestly, it's a testament to the actors too. I mean, it's,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, reading that they'd shot that six times over two days and they would take long breaks between, she controlled the action, you know?
1: Oh yeah. I was like also reading, um, uh, Gaspar Noe, um, he, he let, he let the two actors, he said he had no idea what would, what would happen. He just gave them like little, little suggestions here and there but he would just roll you just roll action and he said he had no idea how long it would be he would just say keep it under 20 minutes and he just let the two actors decide what to do
0: yeah and i just want to read a little bit or this quote that he had in the same article or interview just about him and this is kind of interesting coming from the guy who made irreversible and, and many other things he was saying how he was um too squeamish to sit through Sam Peck and Paul's straw dogs. Wow. He, he thought that straw dogs was heavy. It was too heavy to handle and during that rape scene he had to walk out. So mm. it's just interesting um, what you know his his viewpoint is and just how he's trying to tell the story here. It's very much impactful. So that is the one big thing. Uh, I think actually most people tended to walk out of the movie earlier and i feel like you know, that, that was probably yeah. because of either the head crushing scene which we're going to talk about yeah or it was the 27 hertz sound that made them feel ill or both mm-hmm. the head crush scene in rectum is a, is a scene that i've seen so many times on its own and i've watched the making of it so many times because i was completely enthralled with how they achieved right this level of effect in 2002 and using a variety of digital compositions as well as practical effects to make what until i think um well I've, I've seen some other pretty pretty crazy shit but uh for for a number of years it was the most nauseating thing i had seen on film <laughs> as far as violence uh and then you know effects got better and now you see head crushing all the time it's, yeah. it's whatever uh but yeah that scene was something else and you're as you mentioned you know we talked about with uh vincent cassell going in there to find the guy who raped his girlfriend and he picks a fight with this dude and it looks like a pretty rough and tumble thing he seems to be getting the upper hand until he loses his balance then he's taken down and honestly out of the whole sequence this is probably the part that's the most squeamish for me because it feels so fucking real Is he's arm. on the ground the guy puts his knee on his elbow and he, and he says, no, please don't. Mm-hmm. And then it's just instant later he snaps his arm backwards. Yep. So that, because it's just shot so quickly and the edit is so smooth, it is so fucking nasty. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best joint breaks I've ever seen. Uh, and then luckily Pierre, the quiet teacher, comes to save the day as he's about to be sodomized by this guy Mick, and then turns his face into an ashtray with the butt end of a fire extinguisher. Wow. And the camera never goes away. Nope. Go YouTube it right now. If you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> literally press pause in this, go to YouTube irreversible fire extinguisher scene and, and watch it. It's something else.
1: <laughs> but again, even, even that's, you know, It was 100% I, justified. Oh, I yeah. mean,
0: not because of what the guy did, but because of, the night they're having and everything's it felt so brutal and real and animalistic it may, it felt justified to me mm-hmm. like that's oh. the way because even pierre keeps shouting at him to stop mm-hmm. he's hitting him and this guy's clearly not doing anything but pierre's snapped and he just keeps telling this man on the ground to stop mm-hmm. And we, anybody who's ever really lost their shit knows exactly what that's like
1: and yeah and again the The point the movie is trying to make, um, it's showing, and and again, it's and and why also the reverse order uh, of telling the story is like, yeah, when we first meet, um, Marcus and Pierre, um, yeah, like you you had even mentioned, like particularly Marcus, of course, like because he, he's the one he's the one raging, he's the one that wants to go find you know find this guy, he wants to kill him and everything, and like we don't particularly like him. Uh, There's really nothing to like about him when we first meet him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then all of a sudden, Pierre comes out of nowhere with the fire extinguisher and is just a fucking madman with it crushing this guy's head. And so even he's someone we like, you know, we're kind of questioning, like, you know, who is he and why? Like, you know, how, how could he be capable of doing something like this? And then when we, again, get more of their story in reverse order, we find out he's like one of the most meekest individuals you'll ever meet. But again, the point of the story, you know, showing what anyone is capable of in any type of dire situation, any one of us is capable of going that batshit crazy just to either survive or to help save someone else or what have you. It's like, it is unbelievable what we are actually capable of. Exactly. Fucking nuts.
0: Fucking nuts. And uh, I guess the other thing that I could say uh, WTF on, because I know a bulk of this movie is improvised. It's just amazing to me at how much just vitriol people had towards homosexuals, transgender (laughs) people, and anybody who's not white. I mean, there was so much racial dialogue oh, yes. and like sexist dialogue. And this is like, now I get it because they are all drunk and they're assholes and it tapers down as they get sober. But it's like, my God, it's like what reading those subtitles. It was, it was, I was like, what, what am I seeing right now? It's just pure vitriol that comes out of these people's mouths.
1: And again, for, for me, again, another reason why, you know, I, I can see the necessity of it all is once again, just showing, you know, what anyone is capable of, mm-hmm. you know, we can, we can say to where, you know, to her horse that like, you know, no, I'm, I'm not a racist. I'm not homophobic. I'm, you know, I'm none of these things. I'm just a good person at, add, add, add a, you know, a nice bit of rage into your nights <laughs> We'll see what you're, you're, you're really capable of. Well,
0: and don't forget a steady stream of uh, booze and cocaine. Right. As well as some really heinous uh, crime to some a loved one. Then, yeah, we'll see exactly what comes to roost at that point. We've already talked about all these fun things. Story makes sense. Got some characters. Talked about all these WTFs. Now, I just want to share with you the definition of subversive that I work from. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll just say some of the words that, that jump out as why i do consider this i'm not going to say it's the most subversive movie by any (laughs) measure but i feel that it, it certainly it should hang on the wall because it is a disruptive film it's inflammatory it is uh it's it is revolutionary in some ways it's it's an underground sort of feeling it's a bit corrupting it's uh it's rebellious it's agitational these sort of qualities you know it has a lot of that to it even though it does not necessarily in the traditional sense of subvert your expectations though mm-hmm. some could argue in 2002 people had not seen anything like this That's true. now over time it's become you know the idea of shooting single takes or telling things in weird order Just look at fucking Nolan with tenant he's trying to tell a movie frontwards and backwards at the exact <laughs> same time anything's out there I, I so I feel that in some ways it has some subversive running through its veins or its DNA but yeah. again, that's just me. I'm mm-hmm. not claiming to be right. I don't know anything. I'm just here with a podcast. <laughs> so, you know. But because of that, I mean, I feel like I would give it the benefit of the doubt for me. And I'd probably put it around a, a four or five just because in with time and age, it it still manages to surprise me, even though I knew what was coming. But... It, it doesn't mean that it's anything new, but for its time, I think I have to factor that in a little bit, but that's just me.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So we're scoring it on its uh, subversiveness.
0: Yeah. Just, you know, you know, again, totally arbitrary on how subversive you feel mm-hmm. it is.
1: And, uh, I got, I gotcha. Okay. So yeah, based yeah, on, well, yeah. What you're saying, I get, I guess if anything, what I'm, what I'm, you know, uh, preaching against or what have you is like, you know, Oh my God, this movie was so controversial, or so you know, and it's like just so you know, so unnecessary, or what have you. Um, only half the people said that, the other half loved it. It's a very polarizing movie, yeah. Because it's like, from again, for me, it's just like, um, I feel like there have been things so much worse even before it's where again, like scenes with like just brutal violence or you know sure i spit on your grave last house on the left where like the you know the the particularly you know rape and violence against women were actually completely unnecessary it's like they served no purpose um whereas like this it's just like at least everything you know made sense in the grand scheme of things of what the movie was trying to do but anyway um i think it's only because he
0: decided to put it front and center longer mm-hmm. than anybody else ever had that's true at least in the mainstream i'm sure there's all sorts of really fucked up niche movies right that hinge on that because that's just exploitation that's what it is for the mm-hmm. sake of us having it there this is all very much motivated story stuff it's just he decided to let the camera show it and continue in practically real time
1: mm-hmm. and i think
0: that's what unhinged a lot of people
1: mm-hmm so I guess yeah going off going off uh, your definition of um subversiveness I'll, I'll give it a 3 I'll give it a 3
0: All right rock yeah. and roll Mike is there anything you would like the people out there to know about to find you to uh, or do you just want to stay a recluse and, and hide away
1: Uh well some uh honestly right now I just don't have um a whole lot going on um if yeah, uh, if you were in the North Hollywood uh, area back in early December, you could have seen a play I I wrote and directed. But um, uh, yeah, nothing. Uh, oh, uh, I know um, you had a one of your former guests, uh, Mr. Todd Norwood. Um, I know uh, he uh he had um a movie we all did together a year or two ago. Um, times just kind of becoming irrelevant for me at this <laughs> point. Um, right. But um, uh, I know that's supposed to be supposedly coming out later on this year. Or That's right.
0: That was something you shot. You were the DP of that one. That is called Gap Weekend. Mm -hmm. Waiting to find out when that's coming out. And, you know, you shouldn't be shy, Mike. You have a movie of your own coming out, too. Something that we did together. We're just working our way through the final stages of
1: it. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm currently um, in... um uh we're both in post-production on our movie uh Canful of ashes so right
0: five years in the making so uh, <laughs> only five years only getting better <laughs> we'll 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 get there so uh all right well there you go you had it you heard it here you heard it there now go see it yourself so irreversible you can certainly get it um on blu-ray dvd they have it all over the place if you look around hard enough you can find the straight cut if you're interested in that sort of thing You can also see it on Plex, and I think it might be streaming on Amazon, at least for purchase. So check it out. Uh, Again, it's not uh, necessarily for the faint of heart, but it is a film that has made its mark on cinema and deservedly so. Again, thank you, Mike. Appreciate you coming out. Thanks for having me. And until next time, stay subversive. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out, too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content.
1: Cinema.